I'm Vinny. And I'm Drake. And welcome to Backstage Biddies, a podcast where two theater nerds discuss our love, and sometimes hate, of movie musicals. From Golden Age, to Disney, to Contemporary, we'll recap and review all things movie musical. Join us as we scrutinize Hollywood casting, dive into the history of all your faves, and gossip about controversies of the stage and screen. Press play and sing along, because this this is Backstage Biddies. Have a favorite princess? Hmm. That's difficult because a lot of times it's not the princess that I enjoy, it's the characters around her. Oh, sure. Do you have a favorite sidekick? I absolutely love the fairy godmothers from Sleeping Beauty. Oh, yeah. I love them. Do they count as sidekicks? Um, kind of. I would have thought maybe like the forest critters are the sidekicks in that one. Well, in that case, the fairy godmother from Cinderella is my favorite sidekick. Well, there you go. If that counts. She, I just rewatched the the third Cinderella movie. Yeah, because it's a trilogy. We Don't watch it. <laughs> we didn't need that. Um, and it just it just pissed the fair. I loved the fairy godmother, and then watching that movie, I was like. She is so irritating in this film. Yeah, I feel like she gets more and more irritating the longer she sticks around. Well, because like everyone's like, oh, she's like, oh, what's what's that? What's that word again that I use every single time I do a spell? Oh, yeah, she's forgetful. It's like her thing. Ugh. Don't make it weird. Ugh. Would you have a favorite princess? <sighs> Maybe you don't. Maybe I don't. Mine's Belle. Does Moana count as a princess? Technically, she's she's a chieftain's daughter, so she's like a chieftess. So, I mean, technically, yes, because it's the person in charge of the place. I don't know exactly what her title would be, but like, structurally, yes, she fills the same role as a princess. Because I love that girl. Me too. Pua's actually one of my favorite animal companions. Pua. I love Pua. I was upset that he didn't have more of a stake in the movie. I know, everyone is. Everyone wishes Hey Hey had stayed on the island. He is so dumb. Stupid fucking chicken. Who else? Yeah, I really love Belle. Um, Cinderella is probably my favorite live action princess up to this point. I also love Merida. Oh, who doesn't love Merida? Merida! If you had the chance to change your fate, would, would ye? ye? Yeah. It's just me, ball. <laughs> Ma, it's just me, ball. <clears throat> I love that movie. Um, it's oh, one of the Disney movies that I love a lot that, that doesn't have like a lot of music. Yeah. There's only like one song in the whole movie and it's like not sung by one of the characters. It's like a soundtrack song. You know what else is weird about Disney movies? Hmm. They're always orphans. Yeah. And sometime I feel like in like the last like maybe 10 years, we've kind of rounded a corner and like parents live through the end of the movie now. Bless. It's super cool. Moana's one of them. Yep. Where like both of the parents stay alive. And I feel like before like the year 2010, there was only like... A Nine, very, very ten. Yeah, it was like a handful. super short list of movies where the parents are alive all the way to the end of the movie. Now I feel like it happens a lot. Isn't it because like one of the things was Walt Disney's parents were dead or one of his parents had died? I don't know. Then... Yeah, it was a Walt thing. And now that he's kind of out of the picture and not influencing projects anymore, it's kind of filtered out. Yeah. I'm not mad at it. 
Yeah. It's just something I've noticed. Yeah. Yeah. Because they, I think they don't use that as one of the things that the kid has to overcome, right? Yeah. That's usually why is because that's one of the obstacles. Yeah, yeah. Not anymore. They're, they've moved on to bigger things. But the villains have changed too. The Disney formula is on the move. <gasps> Speaking of the dim- Disney formula and uh, how it changes. The Disney? The Disney formula. <laughs> uh, what's the hint for today? The hint for today is Pip. Pip. Pip, 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 cheerio. Pip. Uh, pip is the beloved sidekick of the next gal we're going to be talking about today. It's Giselle. Giselle. And of course, we're talking about the movie Enchanted. Yay. Yay. We've done a lot of live action Disney stuff and not a lot of animated stuff. Have you noticed that? Sure. No, like, I think the only, what's the, we've done Hunchback. We've done Oliver. That's kind of it. That's true because all the other Disney stuff like we've Don done is, Bluth. Yeah, yeah. All the other animated ones we've done have been Don Bluth. Well, I think oh, I think our bias is showing. Well, <laughs> I don't know. No, I don't think. What don't you think? Why are you gazing into space like that? What are you looking at? <laughs> I was trying to think of who did Cast Don't Dance, and it's not that. No, it's it's, it's, it's not MGM, even isn't it? It's um, it's like yeah, Warner Brothers. Yeah, it was some weird production company that only did like one movie one time and then Oh, it was Fox. Sold. Yeah. It was Fox, wasn't it? Yeah. So technically it's a Disney movie now. It is now, about yeah. About when it retrospectively. but like talking about like when things came out. Yeah. So I guess Anastasia is also technically a Disney movie now cuz it's owned by Fox yeah. as well. Yeah. So okay, there's some gray area there. But, <laughs> but we're doing another uh, live action Disney one. It's it's Enchanted. It's Enchanted. So, you have some fun facts about fairy tales for us, because this was not a live adaptation on either end of this film. No, this has never been adapted for the stage, so I don't really have much to talk about. Um, I've been trying to work in the animated ones, you know, like a timeline of animation, but this is kind of like a half-and-half one, so there's not really like a stylistic point that it makes. Uh, It's just kind of 2D, hand-drawn animation, classic Disney-style sort of stuff. Yep. So I don't have anything to contribute big, but here are some... Fairy tale fun facts. Ooh, give it to me. So I've got three of them. The first one is uh, more than 700 versions of Cinderella have been collected from around the world, and it has appeared in almost every language. It is also the most popular pantomime of the British stage. Jesus. Yeah, so one of the one of the classic panto shows. And there are lots of different versions of Cinderella. Some of them include a glass slipper. Some of them include a fur slipper. Some of them include like a silver shoe. Some of them are like... I don't know. There's like a there's an old mistranslation because the word for glass and the word for fur in like old Germanic or maybe it's Chinese. Germanic. Yeah, oh, it, the the translation is German, but there's an old version of the fairy tale in Chinese. That's what it was. There you go. The German word for glass and the German word for fur are like very close to each other. Right. So they weren't sure which. No one's a hundred percent sure. Yeah. Although a fur slipper probably makes a lot more sense for the time, but that is neither here nor there. But also you. Anyway. Yeah, can you imagine? Uh, my next fun fact is in some versions of Little Red Riding Hood, the heroine is bringing grape juice and banana bread to her grandmother. In other words, she's carrying wine and cake. Oh. Yeah, which would make a lot more sense to be traveling with, right? Also, um, have you seen that woman that's like, I just want your banana bread? No. On TikTok? Is it sexual? No. Oh. No. 
It's fair. I'm going to find it. And a guy duetted it and created a really sick uh, baseline for it. Oh, excellent. You know, I love a good remix. I mean, it's, it's very good. It's, it's a love letter to banana bread. Oh, well, that's right up my alley. She's like, I don't want your this and that. I just want your banana bread, (laughs) banana bread. (laughs) Do you, um, do you like stuff in your banana bread? Like, like, yes, I love chocolate chocolate chips. And I also, um, Ross Ross made a banana split bread once that was like, it had cherries and, uh, maybe crushed pineapple, I think. Oh my I want to God. say it was cherries, crushed pineapple, chocolate chips, and walnuts in a banana bread. And it was so fucking good. Changed my life. Wow. Changed my whole life. My last fun fact is folktales about runaway food have been found in Germany, the UK, and Russia. But the first version of the gingerbread man appeared in the American St. Nicholas magazine with a childless old woman who bakes a gingerbread man. He leaps from her oven and outruns all the farm workers and farm animals before being devoured by a fox. Well, all right. Yeah. Something about, like, the folly of man being outwitted by a fox, because foxes are always, like... The, the cunning and the Yeah, the, the cleverness of nature outwitting man, and then he dies. Something about that. Well, all right. If you were to marry a man made of cookie... No. What cookie would it be? <laughs> or a woman... Or a woman. Or a woman. Yeah, I know you're off men for now. Well, we never know. That swings <laughs> left, right, and sideways, doesn't it? If um, you were to marry someone made of cookie, what kind of cookie would it be? Well, so here's the thing, right? I love me a really good chocolate chip cookie, specifically your husband's chocolate chip cookies. His, like, chocolate chip walnut cookie? They are my favorite. Change your life. But I really, really fuck with a molasses cookie. Yeah? So I think maybe a molasses cookie. Okay. A ginger snap. Ooh. What about you? That was my nickname in college. <laughs> it, it was not. I was there. Um, I'd probably pick like a peanut butter cookie. You are a big fan of peanut butter. I do like a peanut butter cookie. Or like a like a like one of those peanut butter cookies that you like press a peanut butter cup into on top. Oh. Yeah. Fuck it up. But like a whole man. Your eyes got very hung- <laughs> hungry. Hungry, yes. <laughs> Well, uh, maybe we should eat. Woof. I guess I'm hungry. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! And today- those are some those are some fun uh, fairy tale fun facts. This was from an an article from the Belfast Telegraph. Well, thanks, Belfast Telegraph. From 2014 by Linda Stewart. Linda, look at you go! Yeah, Linda Stewart coming through with the hard facts. Go, Linda! All right, so this film released November 21st, 2007. This is a lot older than I thought it was. Yeah. I had a moment right at the top where I was like, my God, how old is this movie? (laughs) And then I was like, oh my God, it's from 2007. Yeah. Jiminy. So this was directed by Kevin Lima, written by Bill Kelly, cinematography by Don Burgess, and music by the Alan Menken. Thank God. Thank God. What a treasure. I know it. Which fun fact, I watched this because that's what we do here. <laughs> Go on. Um, that was the first time I've watched this movie. That can't be true. It is. It simply isn't. It is. There, I knew almost all of the music from it. I knew snippets and had watched snippets of it. 
Well, a lot of this stuff got released as like music videos and stuff when it came out. Like this was, which is probably how I saw it. Because genuinely, this was like, a relatively popular one when it happened. The end of this film, no idea. Oh man, that's the best part. No idea. The no last, idea. Like, the last like thirty minutes are the best part of the whole thing. I just, I just never got, I never got into it. I don't know why. I well, just never welcome thought. to the rest of your life. I mean, hello. <laughs> I've been dreaming. I mean, anyway. Um, <clears throat> so the cast for this one: Amy Adams as Giselle. My God. Giselle. Like the, I know so many of. <laughs> The references from this movie, which is what made me feel like I've seen this movie. You know, it occurs to me that I've probably quoted the entirety of this film to you at some point in our friendship. Pretty close, yeah. Gotta be. She is a singing and dancing princess-to-be who ends up almost having a dream of meeting a prince a reality. (laughs) Did you like that? No. (laughs) So, I knew you would. Adams was actually announced to be cast in this role November 14th of 2005. I believe that. So the studio was originally looking for a film star that was already a star. Okay. But the director insisted on casting a a lesser known actress, um, which I think helped play in with the whole, like, this is like a new character that we've never met before. I think you have to because she's an original Disney character. Mm -hmm. She's not adapted from another fairy tale. She's not plucked out of a book or a movie or anything, a poem. I mean, she's she's an original concoction. Right. So they auditioned a little over 300 actresses. Whoa. Yup. Adams is the one who stood out because, and Lima had said, not only did she look like a Disney princess, but her commitment to the character and her ability to escape into the character's being without ever judging the character was overwhelming. Which I wholeheartedly agree with. I think that she did a fantastic job here. She, the kind of like mesh of this character, the director describes as about 80% Snow White with some traits borrowed from Cinderella and Princess Aurora from Sleeping Beauty and her spunkiness from Ariel. She is an amalgamation of Disney trope. Oh, God, yeah. Patrick Dempsey played Robert Phillip. It's McDreamy. It's McDreamy, a cynical Manhattan divorce attorney who does not believe in true love, happily ever after, or fairy tales. <laughs> the James Marsden. That's my husband. Le Swoon. Oh my God, I'm in love with him. Uh, played Prince Edward, a dim-witted yet brave, heroic, good-hearted prince. Timothy Spall as Nathaniel, a servant of Queen Nerissa. Which I just thought the whole time, the whole time that he was just like Peter Pettigrew in this. Yeah, he's got a definitely a type as an actor. Yeah. Adela Dazim. It's Adela Dazim! Idina Menzel as Nancy Tremaine, which her last name is Tremaine. Tremaine. Is that ever said? Uh, not out loud, I don't think. I don't think so, but she's uh, named after Lady Tremaine, which is the stepmother of Cinderella, if you do not know out there. She is the fashion designer and Robert's girlfriend. We've got Rachel Convey as Morgan Phillip, Robert's six-year-old daughter. I love Morgan. She's the sweetest little angel. What a sweet baby child. Also, how crazy that, like, at one point she complains about Nancy, like, becoming her stepmother and her last name is Tremaine. That is... A brilliant Easter egg. Yeesh. And then, of course, the Susan Sarandon as Queen Nerissa. So one of the crazy things about this movie is that it starts in an animated format and then we move to live action. Yep. So this cast, first of all, 
has to play these actors as they normally would on stage, and they do it to wonderful brilliance, and there are lots of physical character tropes we're leaning into, but they also have to perform as a voice cast Yep. for the animated segment, and they do it so brilliantly. Like, what a unique casting challenge to have to cast people who can voice act and support the animated characters, but also, like, translate those characters to living life. And it's such a, such a, like, a recognizable voice cast. Yeah. Like, they all have such particular, unique, recognizable timbres. It's just a really impressive... It's good. It's an impressive feat of casting. It's good. So, Queen Narissa... Who's um, Narcissa? Um, I don't know. Somebody else. A villain from another thing. Mm-hmm. You want Narcissa. me to look it up? Is that Ursula's sister? Look that up. Because Perhaps. I keep wanting to call her... Narcissa. Narcissa. And I know that's wrong. It's... Oh, Narcissa Malfoy. Oh, maybe that... Is that who you're thinking of? Maybe. Maybe. Queen Narissa is Edward's evil stepmother, sorceress, and and crazy queen lady. And she... Uh, <laughs> wasn't that good? Um, yes, and it really was. her whole being was kind of in, inspired by the evil queen from Snow White and Maleficent from Sleeping Beauty. Ursula's sister's name is Morgana. You're right. You That's fool. what I said. <laughs> They Frankly, sound, they sound very similar. It's the same thing. Narcissa, Morgana, it's very similar. There, there are similarities. <laughs> and so Pip, who when Pip is animated and can actually talk, it is voiced by Jeff Bennett. But when he is like in the real world and can't talk and is just like squeaks and you know whatever, that's the director. That's incredible. Lima. I mean, fantastic. And his daughter also voiced the bluebird and the fawn, Fine. the bunny. Like she, like there was a bunch of different voice actors for some of that stuff, but his daughter was one of them that did some of this work. Okay. And of course the Julie Andrews. She's our narrator. She is our narrator. Oh my God. Be still my beating heart when I heard her voice at the top of this movie. Yeah. What a wonderful surprise. Yeah. Super jazzed about that. I always forget she's there. I Well, she only pops in at the very beginning and the very the end. The very tail end. But like, what a gift. What a treasure to have her on this. Oh, Julie Andrews. And then, of course, they pulled in some other Disney princess veterans for voice actors, so, such as Jodie Benson, Paige O'Hara, and Judy um, Con, which Jodie was Ariel and several other people. Paige was Belle and Judy was Pocahontas. Yeah, Jodie Benson's... I mean, they're all very accomplished Disney voice actresses. Right. Jodie Benson is the one that I recognize by face because she used to have a segment at the beginning of the VHS tape for Little Mermaid where she was, yeah. like, playing a piano and stuff and, like, talked to us. So I recognize her, like, her face and not just her voice. She's done a whole bunch of Disney characters. So she did uh, Ariel in The Little Mermaid, in The Little Mermaid 2, and in Ariel's Beginning. She did for all three of those. She also uh, subbed in for Paige O'Hara as Belle's voice in in some of the movies. I want to say it's like the the Christmas special and like one other, maybe maybe the TV show or something, or like a parade recording. She subbed in for Paige O'Hara before. And then um, the one that I always forget is that she voiced Weebo. Oh! That's Jodie Benson. Oh my god. Isn't that wild? That is weird. Yeah, the little yellow robot and flubber. Yeah. What an eclectic 
slew of roles to have played. Well, girl, get it. Yeah. And here she plays Robert's assistant. And then um, there is a TV show that Prince Edward and Nathaniel watch at one point. And Paige O'Hara plays the actress on the soap opera that they're watching. Oh, is that where that is? Mm -hmm. Oh, clever. Yep. And then uh, Judy is the pregnant lady that the prince encounters when he's knocking on all the doors. Oh. And it's like she's (laughs) pregnant and has all these children. And she's like, ha you showed up too late. Who does Judy Khan voice? Pocahontas. Oh, right. Mm -hmm. Right, right, right. I did know that. And a slew of other people, but two of the other people that I want to talk about, Marlon Saunders and John McLaughlin, appear as vocalists who sing in That's How You Know and So Close. Oh, wow. Those are fun Easter eggs. Yeah. So the production for this one starts off super weird. I'm going to be honest with you. Okay. The initial script for this was written by Bill Kelly, who ended up coming back later on to do the rewrite again. Um, and Disney bought it in 1997. So 10 years before this, it was deemed unsuitable for Walt Disney pictures because it was a rated R movie. What? And was inspired by like adult risque comedy movies, like fast times at Ridgemont high and American pie. And the first draft of this script actually had Giselle being mistaken for a stripper when she arrives in New York City. Oh my goodness. Yeah, casual. Is it casual? That sounds less than casual. (laughs) So obviously this went through a major rewrite. There were, it was rewritten so many times. The first one was by um, Rita Haseo and then Todd Alcott. Bob Schooley and Mark McCorkle were hired on to rewrite the script again. Finally, what ended up happening is Kelly and Lima came together to work on it and decided, all right, we're scrapping all of this shit that everybody's done. (laughs) We're going to just make this a living homage to Disney's heritage. And I think that was a brilliant formula. I mean, it was. And it, the director, Kevin Lima, said that there are thousands of references made to not only past, but future works of Disney in Enchanted. Um, and it's supposed to serve as both a parody and a giant love letter to the Disney classics. And this was actually the first feature-length Disney live-action slash traditional animation hybrid since Who Framed Roger Rabbit in 1988. Oh, I hate that movie. I enjoy it, but... I hate it because it gets really gross and scary at the end like the villain death at the end of roger rabbit i mean it's intense it's awful that's intense that's nightmare fuel oh yeah um so i just there was clearly so much love put into this yeah uh, clearly they and it ended up really doing so so fucking well Okay. So well. How so well? very well. So the budget for this film was 85 mil. Woo! Which is already money. A lot of money. The box office? 340.5 million. <laughs> Dang. That's so good. Money. Wow. Yeah. Shit, bitch. Money. What's that like a 400% return? Money. Jesus. Yeah. So 
this was nominated for all sorts of shit. It didn't really win much of anything, but the nominations were mostly for music and then also Amy Adams. Well, I and agree with you And my God, there. she deserves it. I agree. So on Rotten Tomatoes, this bad boy's got a whopping 93% approval rating. Oh, delicious. Which is so good. Scrumptious uh, number. Eat shit a chorus line <laughs> with your 40%. <laughs> Roger Ebert of the Chicago Sun-Times, as we have said countless times on this podcast, um, gave this film a three out of four, describing it as a heart-winning musical comedy that skips lightly and sprightly from lily pads of hope to the manhole covers of actuality. Well, if I just don't agree with that. And one that has the Disney willingness to allow fantasy into real life. Which is I mean, fun. yeah. I mean, I think the winning the winning aspect of this movie is that it takes the Disney formula and they said, what if we did exactly the Disney formula, but in perfect reverse and it worked. Manola Dargis from the New York times had said that Giselle, an otherworldly princess who falls to earth worse yet in times square. Miss Adams proves to be an irresistibly watchable screen presence that just is a wonderful physical comedian with a gestural performance and emotional register. I mean, Amy Adams really deserves her flowers. She's put out some really stellar, incredible work in her career. And it feels like she hasn't gotten nearly the accolades for it that she deserves. I mean, I absolutely loved watching her in this. Disney, right? I love the storybook beginning. So we have like the castle and then we zoom into one of the windows and it's the storybook on a pestle. Pestle? On a pestle. Oh my God, guys, this is our second one of these in one day and it's going to get weird. So just be prepared. A lot of old Disney movies start with the opening of a storybook. Like that's how they started them for a long time. I think like all the way up through the seventies, like I think even the Jungle Book still, I think Jungle Book was 60 something. Yes. Because it's from the Bronze Age. But that one, I think even that one still opens with a, yes, with a storybook. So, like, they did it for a long time, and I think it's a great return to, like, a Disney motif. A great callback. Um, and it's a pop-up book. It's a pop-up. It's a pop-up book. Do you know what that's um, a reference to? No. The Master of Disguise. Sure. You ever seen The Master of Disguise? I'm going to be Master of Disguise. Yeah, but I haven't watched it in a long Am time. Am I not turtly enough for the turtle club? Turtle, turtle. Yeah. I'm going to talk about that again in a minute. Hold that thought. Great. <laughs> um, so the evil, so the we get the backstory, right? It's the classic evil queen doesn't want the prince to find his princess because then she's going to be out of a job. I mean, haven't, haven't we all been there? Right. So we are popping into the animated portion of this film, right? And we've got Giselle. Giselle! Which I... <laughs> God. It's going to be great. He's talking about the fact that she had this dream about her prince, right? 
her Prince Charming. And she's talking to all of her little animal friends, which if you take a look around at the animation here, all of those little characters are based off of the exact animation of characters from things like Bambi. Sure. Which you can totally tell. Yeah, you can absolutely see the inspiration points, like the reference points. But this is a brand new animation style that they created for this movie specifically. That makes a lot of sense to me because it does look it does look Disney. Like it's very specifically Disney styled, but it it's not like two-dimensional hand-drawn. Like it doesn't look like Snow White. No, but it also doesn't look like Tangled. Right. It, right? It's, yeah, it's kind of a weird sliding midpoint between their two styles. It looks like it looks like a Target knockoff version of Disney animation. Right. Not bad. It's not a, just Yeah, different. not in a bad way. It, it, I mean, it still looks like well-funded and everything. It's not like a, I don't want to call it like a dollar store version, but it's definitely like not name brand. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like slight, it's like, it's Disney adjacent. <laughs> right. Disney, uh, Diet Disney. Diet Disney. Disney, Disney light. light. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, no, they created this because they wanted, they wanted it to feel like Disney animation, but they didn't want it to look like all the other animated Disney movies. Well, they were right on the money. I mean, I think they nailed it. So she's talking to all of her little animal friends about her true love's kiss. And the one thing she doesn't have is a paralypse for him. For her, her man constructed of stuff. Yeah. Of like random garbage. (laughs) Um, (laughs) He's made of twigs and sticks and leaves and and stuff. Random. Yeah. Random things. And she's like, we have to find the perfect pair of lips because they're the only things that touch. Well, Giselle. Well, well, you may have birds and bees around you. You don't know what that conversation is yet. Oh, wow. Look at you. Zing. You're so proud of that one. I am. (laughs) Right off the cuff. So we... (laughs) Uh, We get the number True Love's Kiss, and... This is fun. It's just, it's just fun. Love's kiss. Not yet. He hasn't come yet. <laughs> well, not if all he's touching his lips. Well, <laughs> well which lips? Let's move anyway, along. Anyway, this is a Disney movie. Didn't you God's say it was, it was supposed to be rated R? Yeah. Well, let's bring it back. Well, hello. <laughs> um, so we go on over and we see Prince Edward. He is hunting trolls with his good old buddy pal Nathaniel. Ah, yes, Nathaniel. Nathaniel. So the prince joins in in the song and is, like, talking about the fact that, like, hunting trolls has been fun for the past however many years, but he would like to find a woman. And he hears Giselle and he's like, Fair maiden! Ha-ha! I found one. (laughs) Nathaniel's like, fuck, my one job is to keep him hunting trolls and to not go near damsels in distress, etc., I'm fucking this up right now. So he releases the troll that he just captured. And the troll goes and tries to eat Giselle. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. And through a funny fate of, uh, like, she ends up outside of her house. And the troll's going to eat her. And then Pip saves the day because he's eaten a lot of nuts. And is a little hefty right now. He's carrying his winter weight. Yes. So the balance, um, when they are... On they a climb a, they climb a tree, yeah. They're suspended yeah. on a branch. Um, and they tip off, and the troll goes flying. Wahoo! There's like a goofy yell too. There is. Yeah, I liked that. And she starts falling, and then she is quote unquote saved by the prince. And realistically, she fell in his lap. But oh my god, he saved her. Yeah. 
you know, that old, that old hat. That old chestnut. That old chestnut. So <laughs> they unhinged. So they are, have decided because they can finish each other's sandwiches. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> sentences that they're going to just go right on ahead and get married tomorrow. Just do it. I know? mean, why not? The queen through whatever portal she has in the moment, which I think right now is her mirror, is pissed. Pissed that this happened. And she's like, Nathaniel, you had one fucking job. Because if he gets married, finds his princess, and whatever, I no longer get to be queen and I'm going to be fucking mad about it. I get that. You're mad. You don't want someone to take your job. I get it. I I get it. But we're at the wedding day. It's the day. Literally the next day. Literally the next day. (laughs) And Giselle comes out of the carriage and is in this giant poofy white dress. This is all still animated. Yeah. And it is like a clown car with all of these animal critter friends pouring out of this little carriage. As one does. Because they were the ones that were helping get her ready. What good is a carriage if you can't put the whole forest in it? I mean, my God, there was even a cow. Do you not travel? It's her wedding day. Do you expect her to show up without a cow? Listen, that was definitely a jersey. I personally would have brought a Holstein, but <laughs> that's just the scanny gal in me. So Giselle is on her way and Nathaniel slams the door in the face of all of these animals, right? Rude. Rude. But it's a way of getting her alone. Isolate the girl. Oh my God, there's an old lady. And she's yeah. like, oh, yes, dearie, please come this way with me. Blah, 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 blah. I so must repay you for being, being kind. kind. And of course, this is the the wicked queen, we don't the evil queen in disguise. Well, of course it is. We don't, don't be know silly. That yet. How dare you spoil it? Of course we know. This is Susan Sarandon again using this like old hag voice. And I, again, just. I like, didn't even clock it as Susan Sarandon in this moment. I had to double check it. Because I was like, wow, what an incredibly well-done character voice. I wonder if they hired someone else for that and just, like, had her do a uh, Susan Sarandon impression. Nah, the Susan Sarandon. Nah, she it. did, yeah, she did both of these voices for the the Evil Queen and the Old Hag. And, I mean, she's it's just a really impressive feat of casting to be able to find screen actors who can do all of this voice acting so well. They're just, they're just kicking it in the pants. They really are. It's really good. So... She brings her to this wishing well, and she's like, all right, make a wish. She's like, I wish for true love. And she pushes her into the well. And then, poof, we find out it's the evil queen. <laughs> Whiz, bang, poof, evil queen. Evil queen. Can you guys hear my table creaking on all of these recordings? Please let me know. It's not going to stop me because it's I It's not going to stop. It's, it's just the way things are. Just curious. But if you guys are hearing weird knocks and creaks, it's probably been a couple episodes now, but like, it's the table we record on. Please forgive us. It's casual. Or don't forgive us and hold a grudge. I guess that's your business. I'm not going to tell you how to live. Push us down a well. <laughs> Speaking of, she falls through the well. She does indeed. And she ends up in the cosmos somehow. Yeah, she's floating in like a nether region and you have an issue with this transition. I feel, okay, so here's how I feel this this transition could have gone, right? Is she fell through and then we watched her like go from animation to real life falling through. Sure. And then poof, she's real life, right? Okay. She, like, is frozen in this weird cosmic womb. Uh-huh. And then stars attack her. 
and yeah. like burn into her flesh to re <laughs> to remake her into a new kind of being. And, and burn just... into her. She's in pain. She's not in pain. She literally is. Yeah. <laughs> is what? Yeah. No. She rewatch this say film. Out. No. Rewatch she's this not, film. Uh, she's not being ripped apart by stars. Like, yes. <laughs> on a cellular level. Okay. So here's what they did. They used a Disney convention called Pixie Dust. It's what they use for all of their magical transition transitions. That shit does not look like Pixie Dust. Well, not until she explodes. <laughs> She's not in pain. You're being ridiculous. She doesn't. She doesn't. She doesn't burn her. She explodes. Stop. Stop her crying. Oh, my God. <laughs> so they use. No, shut up. She's. <laughs> Oh, unhinged. She's fine. She use, they use pixie it's dust. Im- <laughs> it's an important Disney convention. I believe you. <laughs> oh, oh man, I'm in tears. Okay. I have that effect on so people. <laughs> <laughs> so then she's in the real world and she's face down against the underside of a glittery manhole. Reminds me of college. Glitterally? (laughs) Literally. A glitterly manhole? Yeah. Well. That's my my college weekend in a nutshell. You were a real whore. I was. No, I wasn't. I was happily engaged most of college. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, so trans... Poof, she's a real human. Oh my god, it's Amy Adams. It is. She crawls through this manhole, and immediately behind her, we see a marquee for Wicked the Musical <gasps> running in Times Square. <gasps> and I just want to point out that in 2007, Idina Menzel was in Wicked the Musical. A paradox. A paradox. A paradox. A most peculiar paradox. A ha 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 ha. A paradox. Do you know where that's from? <laughs> no! <laughs> there know what that's from because it's, oh my God. that's a reference to something that Just my brain a, is not pulling forward and I was really hoping that Drake knew. I have no idea what you're talking about. It's you're, not. You're losing it today. Yes. Oh my God. We're on the second one of these. It's a it's a wizard blizzard outside. A wizard blizzard. It's just N- Name so that much. Disney reference. Yeah. Not you. I'm not going up. The listeners. So <laughs> she climbs out of this glitter glitter why can't I see Oh this? my god you're having a stroke. She climbs out of a glittery manhole in the craziest biggest ball gown you've ever seen in your whole goddamn life. It is the most stunning fucking thing and she every single move she makes glitter just poofs. Oh, it's everywhere. Oh my God. It's all over the ground. I am obsessed. So this ball gown was designed and created by uh, costume designer Mona May. Mona, I love your work. She's done some really great stuff. Um, She's done a lot of Disney stuff. She did some Disney Channel original movies, like the Xenon movies, Stuck in the Suburbs, The Cheetah Girls. Um, She also did... Some of my faves. Haunted Mansion, The House Bunny... Um, She's got a bunch of TV credits, The Defenders, Melrose Place. Uh, American Reunion, the American Pie sequel. 
that is the second reference to American Pie, like second connection to this movie. What's the other one? That the original script, the rated R script, was based off of oh, like one of the yeah, references yeah, yeah. for it was American Pie. That's really that's really crazy. He doesn't huh. listen when I talk. Thank God I have all of you out there. <laughs> um, she also was the costume designer on The Master of Disguise. She is nailing you slap me, it. I slap you. Um, great movie, not a musical, but everyone should go watch it. Oh my God, she did Vamps too. You ever see that movie? Mm-mm. Oh my God, it's so funny. Oh my God. We should watch Vamps. It's not a musical, but it's really funny. Yeah, we she's got to watch things that are not musicals. Prove it. <laughs> <laughs> um, she has a really wide. Oh my God, she did Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion too. <gasps> okay, that's oh iconic. And as hell. Clueless. Wow, Mona May has Mona May. designed for a lot of stuff that I really love. Who fucking knew? All right, Mona. But I do love this gown. It's incredibly large. So is her hair. It is She's so, just every inch of her, it's so comically large that it takes it takes the spectacle and wonder of Disney and just amplifies it to just extraordinary measures. I mean this Absolutely. skirt is just a behemoth. Oh my gosh. That was my ring crashing against our squeaky table. My God, we're a mess. <laughs> what anyway, happens next? So Giselle is very clearly distraught and upset. Traveling through the the downtrodden streets of New York. And not being ripped apart um, by exploding stars. We'll do that to you. <laughs> so she's just trying to find a friend in this lonely, crazy city. And she comes across, across, across the sky who uh, is. <laughs> she finds a homeless guy. Yeah. And she's trying to have a sweet conversation with him. And, and she's he... like, anything, like any, any kind of kindness, a smile, a, a nice gesture would just do me a world of good right now. So he smiles, no teeth. And she's like, oh, what a lovely smile. And then he snatches her crowd and runs off. Snatched. <laughs> And it starts to rain, and she's like, what is this terrible, awful, horrible place? Oh, my God. They get that ball gown wet. I can't imagine. Oh, I'd be so, so upset. Checking my pulse. Biddy's checking her pulse right now. Ah. Oh, doesn't it just make your heart pound out of your face? Oh, my God. So, now we flash over to Robert. We get to meet him in the middle of a divorce mediation. And the clients are just going at each other's throats about like a baseball card and about stupid shit, right? They end up saying, all right, no, we're going to have to do this meeting another day. And they leave. Robert starts talking to his assistant. That's Ariel. Oh my God, that's Ariel. His assistant about his girlfriend, Nancy, and the fact that this marriage of his client started as a whirlwind romance and look at where it's ended. But his relationship with Nancy that he's been in for the last five years has been based off of mutual respect and reason and reason and and (laughs) all of this that the other thing and that's his thoughts and feelings about all of that and how love and relationship should actually be well that seems like a pretty passionless arrangement but if it works for you robert i guess more power to you i mean i guess so he, I'm not here to yuck anyone's yum. Right. So he leaves and he is in the car with his daughter, Morgan. I love Morgan. I love her. And they're talking about um, Nancy and she seems less than thrilled about Nancy. And he's like, well, I would like the two of you to spend time. She's going to pick you up tomorrow. 
and take you to school and you guys can have breakfast together or something and have big girl time, bonding time. Yeah. And he's like, the reason that I want this is because I'm going to ask Nancy to marry me. Morgan's immediately sour on the idea. She's like, she's going to be my stepmother. Right. Because Robert gave her this book of real women in history and he, right off the cuff, is just like, I don't like the whole fairy tale thing. So she's a real woman who did real good. And Nancy can be one of those women. She's just like the women in this book. Right. Not like the evil stepmothers in fairy tales. Right. So don't worry. You know, it's going to be fine. Giselle has found a palace. Or so she thought. It's a billboard. It's a billboard. (laughs) With a pink palace on it. And she's like up on the billboard, knocking on the palace, trying to talk to someone. How did she get up there in that ball gown? I don't fuck. I have no idea. My God. That was... She can't be stopped. She won't be stopped, frankly. (laughs) And the car, the taxi that Morgan and Robert are in passed by this, and they're stopped at a stoplight. Morgan gets out of the car because she's like, Dad, there's a princess. princess." And he's like, "That's that's a mannequin. No, it's a real life person. She needs our help. Gets out of the car. Robert dashes after her. And they get up there and they're like, what are you doing? Why are you, you know, what's going on? Giselle falls off of the, um... The billboard. Thank you. And... (laughs) And into Robert's arms. Yeah, Robert catches her and he's like, oh, God. She's like, thank you so much. Oh, my God. Well, I shouldn't say she falls into his arms. She falls and kind of lands on top of him, really. And they fall over and kind of get injured, right? Yes. Yeah. It's nothing at all like the romantic fall through the tree that she had with... Prince Edward. <laughs> Prince Edward, yeah, yeah. It's very different. Yes. And it, it, they have this moment where she's like, you know, you you are guys are the first kind people that I've met here because everyone else has been so cruel and mean. And he says the line, welcome to New York City. And her face lights up like a million dollars. And she says, thank you. Oh, Um, she means it so sincerely. And it's such a wonderful subversion of the like naivete of the Disney princess trope. And this movie is like all about subverting that entire formula and all of those tropes and like flipping the romanticized kind of Disney brand magic on its head in a very like concrete grounded way and this is a perfect example of it and like we see it over and over again it's the whole formula here right it's taking the disney formula and throwing that thing down flipping it and reversing it exactly so they end up letting her stay over at their house because they're like it we can't leave you out and about on the street well it would be unethical yeah and trying to figure out where she lives and where she's from is kind of a mess but Robert does a responsible thing and is like, okay, Morgan, you're going to sleep in my room with me. <laughs> Behind a locked door. <laughs> yeah, because it, while all of the other things in this apartment are things... You are a person. Yeah. You are my child and we're not doing that. Reasonably so, right? Right. Now we're back downtown New York and Edward and Pip have come through the well. In search of Giselle. Giselle. And he, we find out that Pip cannot talk in the real world. It is only squeaks. Right, because here he's a real animal. Right. So he becomes like a, I mean, he's very, very CGI'd, but he's like a real life chipmunk now. So he just chitters and squeaks. Yeah. The next day, Giselle wakes up and looks around 
at this home that she stayed in, and it is a it's a mess. It's a disaster. Yeah. It looks like a single father's home. Right. <laughs> and she's like, oh, I'm going to help tidy up. And she sticks her head out the window and sings her little song. And gets, in response, rats, flies, cockroaches, and pigeons. Everything one needs for a tidy home. I, I <laughs> suppose so. So they show up and we get this song, Happy Working Song, which is fantastic. Happy Working Song permanently re- rewired my brain. Oh. Like, the, there are songs in the Disney canon that change you internally forever. This was one of them for me. Well, hot damn. I know it. So they're going through cleaning the apartment and it is looking sparkling and fantastic, right? Morgan wakes up because she's hearing a bunch of ruckus and she comes out and she sees all of these rats and pigeons and whatever cleaning the apartment. She's like, what in the fresh hell? Goes and wakes up her dad and they come out and they're like, ah, uh, ew. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Robert freaks out. And they start picking, which by the way, kudos to them for picking rats up by the tail. So rats aren't actually as scary as most people make them out to be. New York rats should not be handled by hand. That's what I mean, right? Yeah. Like pet rats, fine, whatever. Yeah, they're actually usually pretty docile and very sweet and, and not harmful at all or scary. But but New York New York rats? rats just wild sewer rats? A different breed. Don't handle those with your bare hands. So they shooed them out of the house and they're like, Giselle, where the fuck are you? Because what's going on? Robert walks in on her getting out of the shower. Oh my God, just fully sees her nudie bits. Just, just naked as a wee bub. There's that rated R. (laughs) There's that rated R showing up again. And Nancy shows up. Morgan goes and gets the door. She comes in. She's like, are you ready? We're going to go take you to school. And she's like, it's been fucking wild here this morning, Nancy. (laughs) So you're going to have to give me a minute. Fucking get a load of this, bitch. Right. Giselle trips over Robert as they're coming out of the bathroom and falls on top of him. And Nancy sees this. Sees a naked woman in his apartment on top of him. And when she lands on top of Robert, she like fully hikes her knees up and like she like straddles him immediately. Yeah. And and like, I know that she doesn't know anything up or down about sex. And that's probably just how she's just catching herself in the least damaging way possible. This is a child's movie. Yeah. I mean, there, I mean, again, there's that little rated R glimmer. Mm, Anyway. So. And poor McDreamy here just cannot catch a break. No, he absolutely cannot. Nancy. He's over here trying to do the right thing, especially in front of his daughter. Right. And like. She's sort of the guiding force here that, like, he, he, because he probably, realistically, he probably would have, like, called Giselle a taxi last night and just been on their merry way and been done with her. But Morgan was the one who was like, we can't just leave her here. Right. And so she becomes this sort of kind of Jiminy Cricket. Moral for him. Yeah, Yeah. she's, she's a guiding light here. Yeah. Nancy is pissed, rightfully so, and is like, I can't have sleepovers over here because you have a daughter and I thought that you were just doing the morally right thing and now you have this random woman staying here and he's trying to explain it to her and she's like no and leaves right mess amok 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 Giselle goes right on ahead and makes a dress out of the curtains which is a sound of music reference you're right 
I love that. You're right. He's talking to Giselle and is like, I'm planning, I was planning on proposing to Nancy and now she may never talk to me again. And you know, he's getting pissed at her, rightfully so. And then she's like, oh no, does she think we kissed? (sighs) Yes, Giselle. And she's being, it's so genuine and That's exactly what she thinks. These moments are the things that, like, if she would have played this any other way, it wouldn't have read. No, again, she's totally lost behind the the amalgamation of tropes that she's embodying right now. It's really impressive. Good job, Amy Adams. You fucking nailed it. She's got those great big sparkly blue eyes, too, that just, like... Oh, my God. My God. Oh, so she just tells him, just sing and it will fix it. I promise. And he's like, oh, fucking K. The evil queen sees her and is pissed that she's alive for whatever reason. And I'm like, what did you think was going to happen? This sent her to a different realm. And then you knew how to find her in this other realm. I think she thought because New York was so vicious that it would kill her. Like this city, Um, something about being alone in the city overnight would like just exterminate her. Well, she's mad about it. Well, and if it hadn't been for Morgan and Robert, she probably would have been right. Like, the likelihood that Giselle would have made it too far in the city alone, like, without shelter, was not great. Right. (laughs) So she's like, oh, if only there was someone who could go and take care of this for me. Oh, blah, 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 blah. And Nathaniel is there and is clearly in love with the evil queen. He's got a big old boner for Narcissa. Narissa. Yeah, see how easy that is? Oh, man. Thank you. And... Nathaniel's like, Helico! And just yeets himself into the well. (laughs) He's going to go stop Prince Edward because Prince Edward is there and she's pissed. Right? So, Prince Edward, we flash and see him stabbing a bus. He thinks it's some kind of metal dragon. Yeah, metal... A metal beast? Beast that has eaten all of these people. And he's like... I've set you free. I've set you free, peasants. And so he stabs the bus, and the bus driver comes off, and she is my favorite character in the whole entire she fucking so movie. She's so funny. She's got that line, nobody stabs my bus. And it just, it's so ridiculous. It sounds like a really campy line from like a drag race acting skit. its It sounds like, get these nuts away Out from my, my face. face. Yep. Um, I'm obsessed with her. Uh, she's, I mean, she's great. Nathaniel is there and is like, uh, Prince Edward, how about we go looking elsewhere for Giselle? Your Nathaniel impression is really good. Oh my god, thanks. Yeah, wow. So Giselle goes with Robert to work. She has this moment where they're passing by this statue of this woman that is a very large woman. Mm-hmm. And I just, it was such a sweet moment where she like was stopping in awe of this statue. And she's like, she's so beautiful. It's a very little minute thing, but it is so nice to include. Oh my god. Because when we look at the over arc of like the Disney princess trope, we have to look at all the little things that happen between the plot points that we normalize in movies like that. And body image is a big one, especially in the princess trope. Exactly. So it's really nice to include little moments like that of... I, I hate the phrase body positivity because I do believe we should be body neutral. Neutral, yeah. But like that's what this is. It's, it's sort of a... It's a body positive moment that counteracts the the body image issues created by the same company and character trope. So I think it's, it's a great nugget. Yeah, I liked it. So Robert is late for his meeting with his clients that we had met earlier. Nathaniel and Edward are flying through this town looking for, and they end up in a kitchen. 
somehow everyone in the kitchen is cool with Nathaniel just being in the kitchen? Yeah, don't make it weird. Okay, fine. And he starts talking to the queen through the soup. Uh, That's how I communicate. Through soup? Yes. But your husband doesn't like soup. We don't communicate. Oh! Now you know. Secret to a happy marriage. Damn. <laughs> so, uh... I'm she kidding. Sends we, him... we never stop communicating. Uh, it's yeah, it's aggressive. Um, so we get three poison apples for Giselle. She's like, take care of her. I want this done. Bloop, bloop, bloop. Bloop, bloop, bloop. Pip is there and sees all of this happen. And he runs out into this cafeteria area where uh, Edward is and is like, trying to convey... He starts doing, like, charades. Right. Like, <laughs> like, oh. So he's so then he's trying to tell the story. He pretends to be Nathaniel, and he has, like, a weird, like, body morphing ability going on. Mm-hmm. Where, like, suddenly he's Nathaniel-shaped. Mm-hmm. And he holds up, like, a little ice cube in his hand, and he's trying to, to explain what's going to happen. So he keeps shifting between, like, Nathaniel and Giselle. And he, like, holds up the apple, and he offers it to G- Giselle. And she goes, oh, no thanks. And then he's Nathaniel, and he says, "Is good. Apple? Apple? Is good. <laughs> uh, and Edward doesn't get any of it. No, no, he says... James he... Marsden is just wide-eyed <laughs> and just not a light home in that brain. He comes away with it, something about, like, uh, you would die without me here. Yeah. Right, he, like, makes it about himself because he's a, a really hot airhead. And I, I, he's just so dumb and hot. And I love him. Just an idiot. I just love him. So, back at the office, right? Meanwhile, back at the ranch. Uh, Giselle ends up talking to the clients and is like, Oh, you're so beautiful talking to the lady, right? The lady client. And she's yes. like, you're so stunning and your hair is beautiful and your eyes have a sparkle in them. And she, like the other client, the other side, opposing counsel, thinks that this there is a tactic. There you go, miss. I used to work at a law firm. <laughs> yeah, give me a second here. Opposing counsel is like, if this is some kind of tactic, we won't settle. Right. You can forget about the deal we've come to today. Right. And Giselle learns that these two were married and are working on separating forever. And she has a fucking breakdown about it. Right. Brand new concept to her. Brand new. And Robert gets in trouble with his boss and he's like, no, I'm fucking done. You have, you're about to ruin my job. You've possibly ruined my relationship forever. I'm just trying to be kind. Get the fuck out. Gives her money to cast her aside, right? Flipping back over. There's so much back and forth, right? Yeah, these two storylines because it's important to see what's happening at the same time until they merge. It keeps the pacing really on par. Yeah. Which is nice, but it, we do flip back and forth quite often. So Nathaniel and Edward are in the same area as Robert and Giselle. And Nathaniel sends Edward off after a random lady that like has Giselle's same hair. And she's like getting carted off. and Go get her, Tiger. Right. Robert and Giselle are walking in the park now because Robert sees that the money that he had given Giselle, she just handed off to some bird lady. She, and it's so sweet that she meets a bird lady and the bird lady even says like, I think it's like a dollar a bag or something mm-hmm. like that. They have like a small conversation. It's such yeah, a nice, reference. yeah, it's such a nice little nugget. It's, it's, it's all these subliminal little moments that Disney fans will, whether consciously or unconsciously, recognize from a, a jillion other places. Yeah. They're all kind of just sitting here together in this real world setting. It's very, it's, it makes for a very comfortable film. Yeah. 
And she's talking about the fact that she did see Prince Edward because she was the lady on the bus. Yeah, I saw your prince. He was on top of a bus. He tried to kill me. (laughs) So Robert and Giselle go strolling down the path and they're talking about her prince and Nancy and the ways of this world, right? And how she is... Like, well, I've only known him for a day, but we're going to get married and it's going to be great because he's my true love. And Robert's like, that that's not how things work. You should go on a date and give some examples of what a date is. And it's like, I've been dating Nancy for five years. And she's like, five years? No wonder she's mad. You didn't, haven't proposed to her yet. Which is like obviously a disproportionate reaction from her because she's used... I mean, her, her world functions in the way that like you meet a man, you fall in love, you get married the next day. Right. So five years is like unimaginable to her, but also realistically speaking, five years is a long time to date without assessing like the long-term future of your relationship. Right. And he, well, he's about to propose, right? That's he his, is. That's his plan. Uh, yeah. I feel like five years is like the very end of the, and I'm a person with pretty stringent well, requirements that, for a proposal. So his daughter is six. Which means that he met Nancy when she was one. And the fact that this entire time, Morgan is like, I don't like her. Yeah, that's that should be a big red the flag, whole time? I feel. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I had pretty strict rules. Like, I told Ross before he proposed to me, we had to have been dating for at least three years and had to have lived together for at least one. So I have pretty, like, pretty concrete rules about engagement. Like, I don't think you should do it lightly. But also five years without... An engagement is like, is a a bit much. It's a lot. That happens. (laughs) So they're talking about all of this and she's like, well, I don't understand why this hasn't happened sooner. And he's like, it's complicated. But it doesn't have to be, is her response. That's so important. It is. It's beautiful. Because as much subversion and flip-flopping and reverse engineering as we do to the Disney formula here, it's still at its core a Disney movie. Mm-hmm. Right, so there's still true love. There's still magic and romance. There's still, there's still all of these magical, true elements to to Disney. And I just I love that little slip of the line in there with like all the realism and all of the New York City backdrop that we get, and it's still a Disney movie. Mm-hmm. I just love it. So they meet Nathaniel while they're in the park, but he's in disguise. He's in disguise as a food vendor, and he's he's trying to get her to bite into this poison apple yeah it's a caramel apple he says it's free caramel apple day and so she takes it which the caramel on this apple looks like <laughs> it's it's the poison yeah apple it's from snow, White. snow white's poison apple i mean it's brilliant um she gestures wildly while she's talking to, to, to robert. robert and it goes flying and like sticks to some bicyclist's helmet immediately begins smoking yeah <laughs> and of course we get the number that's how you know this is such a banger. It's so good. We, I mean, I fucking love a Calypso beat. Are you Who kidding me? Who doesn't? Are I think, you kidding? And I think this song was released as a music video when this movie came out. I'm pretty sure that was like one of Disney's big tactics to get interest in this movie was like they released a bunch of the musical numbers in their entirety. Which is brilliant. It was very clever of them. And, you know, going through, we see a bunch of different kinds of people dancing and joining in. And this is like a Disney movie, right? Oh, yeah. That's what this number is. is it's a we've big production got, number. There's a parade across a bridge. Like We've got like some older folks giving each other flowers and dancing together. 
Which I genuinely wonder if they're like dancers from like Mary Poppins or some older movie. Yeah, I had heard a rumor once that they were like retired Disney voice actors. I don't know if that's true. Yeah. I, I can neither confirm nor deny. Although I would assume, knowing Disney, that they are... And the focus on them was pretty strong, right? And they're featured to the end of the number, too. Right. So I would assume that they are Disney veterans in some capacity. Which capacity, I could not tell you. Yeah. And, it, like, we end up with people on on boats, on like little canoes... Um, yeah, there's like a mariachi band on a gondola and like yep. they keep acquiring more and more people as they walk through Central Park. We've got a bride and groom dance pairs chorus. Right, because there's a there's a thing that they do in uh, in parks in New York where they'll, they're, they'll marry a bunch of couples at once. Yeah. This is like a play on that where it's like several bride and groom couples dancing in wedding gowns and suits. And, and the dancers in this number... Doobie dancing. Doobie dancing. They are dancing their merry little hearts out. There's like a construction crew or like some kind of moving crew of like big dudes who do a bunch of acrobatic flips and handstands and cartwheels, one-handed cartwheels, all kinds of shenanigans. I mean, it's very, this whole, this number is very impressive. They're stilt walkers. I mean, it's just crazy. It's crazy. Edward is in the park and hears her uh, and this is the famous Giselle! And he jumps down from a bridge and gets run over by bicyclists. Yeah, they're bike racing. Way to go, Edward. Yeah. In the middle of this, Giselle sends a heart of flowers and two doves to carry it to Nancy. Yeah, and she just says to them, take these to Nancy. And he's... (laughs) And Robert's like, what the fuck? Like, they don't... They're doves. They don't know where... His line was something like, they don't know where Nancy lives. She just sang into the ether and two doves appeared. Are you really going to question this? <laughs> um, and then we get to finish out this number. And I just, I love a group number and, oh, Nancy, heartwarming and beautiful. Nancy calls Robert at the end too and he's on the phone and she's, you can overhear her voice and she says, oh, I got the flowers. I love them. And he's like, Giselle, she got the flowers. She got that. That's incredible. And, uh, the very last thing she says And tickets to a ball. And tickets to the ball. They're going to the ball. And, uh, and Nancy says, so romantic. So Edward and Nathaniel end up in a hotel and a pip's in a box. A pip in a box. A pip in a box. And Nathaniel is uh, distracted by the boob tube. And he's watching a soap opera. uh, And the two characters are talking about, oh, I'd never love you because you don't love yourself. And Nathaniel asks Edward, Edward, do you like yourself? And Edward says, what's not to like? So true, bestie. Jesus. I Um, love him so much. In in the midst of all this, Pip breaks out of the box and tries to mime to Edward again, and Edward just doesn't fucking get it because he's a hot, dumb idiot. He's just hot and stupid. And Nathaniel clips Pip into a pants hanger. Yeah, clips up his little paws in the in the oh, clips. That's gotta hurt his little hands. Well, I'm sure it does, but he's gonna be okay. I mean, I know, but it was so sad. <laughs> He is evil. He is evil. I'm so sorry Uh, that you were so upset by it. Genuinely, I was very upset by it. Like, 
probably disproportionately upset by it. Okay. I don't know. When did you watch this movie? Late? It was in the evening. Hmm. Maybe. I, I don't know. I'm just trying to make Maybe excuses I for you. I, I don't I, Whatever. <laughs> anyway, so he leaves, right? Nathaniel Nathaniel does. leaves um, because he's going to go out and try and murder Giselle again. Well, he's got to. It's his job. Right. Because the woman that he loves is an evil old twat and wants her dead. <laughs> so she can keep her job. Don't you worry, kitties, because guess who breaks free? That's right. It's Pippola. <laughs> Our little Pippola. Our little Pippola breaks free. Um, <laughs> and is heading uh, to go thwart whatever evil plan Nathaniel has. Robert took Giselle and Morgan out to dinner at a restaurant. Which, by the way, a that pizza looks so good. It does look really good. Do you want to order a pizza? Oh my god, I'm so hungry. We should order a pizza. <laughs> <laughs> so, took them out to dinner, and she's realizing, she's like, is this a date? Well, no. We, it's not a date, because... <laughs> it is a date. It's a date. It's a date. You can go on a date with friends. Yeah. Friends go on dates all the time. Yeah. I date my friends. Well... Well, we're a different breed of, of folk. <laughs> but you know what I mean. I just, I think that you can go on. Yeah, more more platonic dates, please. I think that that is just fine. You should spend quality time with the people you care about, whether you're interested in them romantically or otherwise. Although this is a bit of a sticky situation because mm. feelings are afoot. Sticky. Feelings are afoot? Yeah. Why not a hand? I don't know. Paralypse. anyway they're out to dinner and morgan is working in this restaurant yeah she's like folding napkins with like a nona who works at this italian place and i'm just like they must come here often i think yeah they must know like the old lady she she strikes me as maybe like the owner and maybe she like has a liking for morgan i don't really know but morgan's a sweetheart i don't see why not giselle and robert start talking about like oh what about her mom you know whatever and Robert doesn't talk about her mom because we find out that her mom left. Yeah, which means that Morgan isn't an orphan. Like, she isn't, like, down a parent because they passed away out of mysterious circumstances or whatever. Right. So she's part of the club of Disney characters who have two living parents who make it all the way to the end of the movie. And, spoiler alert, um, she ends the movie with, like, a ton of parents. Just plethoras. We'll count them up at the end, but like Morgan really cashes out in the parent department in this movie. She nails it. So Nathaniel is there disguised as a waiter. An Italian waiter with a funky mustache. Because what is the name of this restaurant? Uh, oh, it's called Bella Note. Oh, that's cute. Which like is that. a, it's a uh, Lady in the Tramp reference. Oh. Yeah, that's the song they sing while they eat the meatball and the spaghetti and stuff in the alley. You're my tramp to my lady. Oh, did you just call me a slut? I would like to have the example that you used earlier of a glittery, glittery (laughs) manhole. Glitterally. Glitterally manhole. (laughs) I don't know why my mouth cannot form that word today. I don't know. I really like it. Glittery (laughs) manhole. As proof of thoughthood. That's right. I called it thoughthood. Uh, anyway. So Nathaniel tries to give her an apple martini and he's like, uh, <laughs> Robert's like, careful, that's deadly. Right. He's making a joke about liquor. Because martinis are strong. And Nathaniel's like, <laughs> and he's what? like, it's just a regular 
It's not, a martini. It's just a regular martini. And she's just about to take a sip. And guess who's here? It's Pippola. He comes in and kicks that martini glass away from her mouth. Watcha! And saves her life. So then Nathaniel, of course, is like starting to try and beat this chipmunk. Uh, to death with a broom. Everybody else in the restaurant is freaking, freaking out. out. They're like, there's a rodent on the table. Of course, Giselle recognizes Pip and like picks him up and is like holding her, uh, holding Pip to her ear and like trying to talk to him and trying to hear what he's saying over the commotion in the restaurant. And some old lady's like, That's he's eating your face. He's eating her face. Jesus Christ. It and turns into like an episode of Jerry Springer. Ridiculous. Everything's being thrown everywhere. Pip ends up in like underneath the pizza. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Nathaniel picks it up and chucks the fucking pizza into the fire oven. And Pip flies and out of it while it spins through the air. Yeah, the the oven it lands in, like, spits fire. It's oh. crazy. But Pip flies out of the pizza just in so time. He's fine. But he people... lands, like, against the wall and slides into a bottle behind the bar. Yeah, but people, Giselle included, think that he's dead. Pip is dead. <laughs> <laughs> Edward is watching the magic mirror, a.k.a. the TV, and is like, magic mirror, show me where Giselle is. And then he hits the remote, and there's a news segment about this Giselle. This rodent attacking yeah, this her. a rodent attack at a restaurant. So he's like, oh, thank you, magic mirror. And, and then he the kisses TV. the TV. Oh, to be that TV. Oh my God, you're so needy. <laughs> So in, he's like, tell me, magic mirror, where is it? And then the reporter says where she's reporting from. And he's off to the races to find his woman. Back at home, Giselle tucks Morgan in. And she, so she had found out that there were no rodent remnants inside the pizza oven. So she's really excited because that means Pip's not dead. Mm-hmm. Cool. So Giselle is tucking Morgan in. And Edward is has made it to the apartment building and is looking for Giselle. Yeah, he knocks on a bunch of doors. And the last one he opens, he meets this like big hulking leather daddy bear-looking fella who gives him goo-goo eyes. Oh my god, gay. And there's a running joke now that, like, every time Disney makes a new movie, they include some kind of, like, sexually ambiguous character, and everyone's like, it's Disney's first gay character! Like, it at one point it was that lesbian couple in Finding Dory, and then it was that one-eyed monster critter, the policeman from... The oh, and mo- Onward? Yeah, yeah, the movie about dad pants. And, uh... Then there has, like, the strange world just recently with, like, a gay lead. And, like, every time it happens, it's, like, big news. And it's Disney's first. Oh, oh, LeFou, that one time at the very end of Beauty and the Beast. And everyone's like, it's Disney's first gay character. This was Disney's first gay character. This leather daddy, baby. And he also comes across (laughs) a pregnant woman with a bunch of kids. How fun! (laughs) So he's looking all around. And Giselle is, like had told Morgan a bedtime story about Little Red Riding Hood. Yeah, and Morgan was like, that's not how I remember the story. And uh, and it, she tells the story about, like, um, something about Little Red chasing the the wolf's grandmother around her house or something. It's, it's, again, it's like a fairy tale, but kind of flipped on its head, and the person you thought was the hero isn't really the hero, and so on and so forth. So it's another, like, it's like a self-aware example of, of subverted fairy tales. There are all these little nuggets. Like it's just, I mean, the writing here is just really incredible. They've got all these little layers and pieces to it that kind of fold together. Yeah. Cause Morgan was like, Oh, that's not how I've heard that story. And well, red tells it a little different. Yeah. And I like that. I like that. <laughs> 
So Robert and Giselle get into an argument because he's like, Edward is not coming. So what are you going to do about this? And she's like, he is coming. He's my one true love. No, he's not. And they start actually fighting. And then she realizes that she's actually getting angry. Yeah, yeah. She has a whole rant about like, everything you say is no. It's always no, no, no. And I'm just so, it makes me so angry and she finally lands on the word and then like her whole face glitters like a sparkly diamond and she's like i'm angry and she you see her kind of realize that she's capable of like this whole span of human emotions and not just like happy sparkly you know joy and marriage and and whatever and this whole sequence deserves an oscar because she uh, it's just so good it's such good acting I mean, she, imagine like discovering oh, a human emotion for the first time. She fucking nails it. Amy Adams fucking does that in real time on film. And it's so good. Um, she starts touching his chest in this weird, like where yeah, he's like wearing a robe and is ready for bed. And, and she's you can, like, like see his bare his chest. chest it's it's a little much. It's a, it's a lot. And then they lean like they're about to kiss and then he like turns away and they don't. I don't know. I just, it was uncomfortable to me. It is as close as a Disney movie could probably get to like an explicit scene. It's very sensuous. It's, yeah, it's the, it's the equivalent of a sex scene, but in a children's movie. I didn't like it. I also don't like it. It makes me a little uncomfortable, but I think they get away with it because of the, the the quote unquote edge of realism that these characters have been given. So like, it's, it's like a very... If it were in a rom-com, it would be like the most PG moment in a rom-com. But because it's in a Disney movie, it's like the like the raunchiest moment in a Disney movie. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah, I don't. It lands in a weird place for me, and I don't love it personally. But I do understand its function. So yeah, I kind of I kind of let it go. So it's the next day. She made another dress out of another set of sheets or curtains <laughs> because why not? And she's made them breakfast, and this that's so wonderful. Oh my God, Edward's at the door singing. Oh, he found his one true love. <laughs> so he's singing, but she doesn't sing back. Listen, if he needs a princess to sing with him, move over, Giselle. This is my moment. Giselle! Giselle! And he's like, you're not singing back. And she's like, I'm sorry. I was, I was thinking. And he, that's a completely foreign concept And to he's him. like, what's that? <laughs> you know? Thinking, never kind heard of, of her. Kind of thing. Um, and then he's like, well, let's go back. Let's get married. We need to be married. And she's like, I would like to go on a date first. Brilliant. Love it. So she's going to go on a date and then head home. They have this goodbye moment with Morgan. Oh, It's really sweet. It makes me very sad. Yeah. And it's just oh, a, a, a touching moment. It is. It's very it's sweet. Touching. It's very tender. Uh, the queen comes through um, as a, like, through a, like a water bottle. She's, like, looking, and she's pissed because she sees that Giselle and Edward have yeah, it's so together. what she uh So she always used things through, like, water portals, right? Like, any reflective surface is, like, her gig. And this one is, like, the bottom of one of those water barrels you put in a, in a cooler at work. Like a water cooler. It's mm-hmm. one of those. One of those big jug things. And she is pissed. Furious. She's like, fuck it. I'm coming. So she gets a hold of Nathaniel and she's communicating with him via soup, I think? No, that happened earlier. Oh, oh, oh. That was the apples thing. When does she... She's talking to him at the bar, though. She's in a martini. Yes, it's in his martini. That's what it is. 
And she's like, I'm I'm pissed at you. You fucked up. I'm coming. He's like, no, I can do it. And she's like, no, there were three apples. You fucked up the caramel apple one. You couldn't get her to drink the apple martini. So I'm coming in to take care of this myself. And explodes. Yeah, so she like, there's a big world of magic. And then the he's sitting at a bar drinking a martini. And the wall. At the Bellinote restaurant. The wall behind the bar is like stacked with bottles and stuff and liquor. The whole thing explodes and she decides to like magic her way to the real world. And I just want to know how much that exploding bar wall cost. It had to be expensive. I mean, whenever you have props and things that have to break, that's always an expensive stunt because you have to have new ones for every time you film the stunt. Right. So even if you only do it like a couple of times, it's always so expensive. And this one looked really pricey. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But they got that Disney budget, right? They do. They got that Disney money. Right. So she's pissed and she is on her way. Robert is at work and sees that the clients have gotten back together. The ones who are filing for divorce? Yes. um, The divorcing couple getting back together always makes me cry. It's because you're a soft bean. I think I am. You're just a soft... It's just really sweet. And the way they like... Look at each other and like, I mean, we don't know these people intimately. We don't get the character's backstory or anything. But like the way that they love each other so tenderly in this moment, it's just very sweet. It's very cute. Especially after seeing how aggressively they went at each other in their previous proceedings. It's it's just very sweet. Giselle and Edward are on a date and you can tell Giselle has some apprehension about what's going on and about needing to leave, right? And he asks, how long is the date supposed to last? LOL. He's over it. They're like sharing a hot dog and like all kinds of other New York-y things. And he's like, when is this, when are we done with this chore? And she's like, I, I don't know. Sometimes it just keeps going on and on and on. And then she brings up the ball. Mm-hmm. Well. That seems much more his speed. There's singing and dancing. We're going to go right on ahead and go to the ball. Let's go. Whoop, whoop. She heads back and ends up talking to Morgan and she's super excited. And she's like, I don't know what I'm supposed to wear to this ball. I don't know what's going to happen. And she's like, listen, she's like, I can't get a fairy godmother this, this close to the ball, which isn't that when they usually show up. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of their thing. It feels like you could actually maybe like find a stump to cry on or perhaps gaze into a a bird bath or maybe, uh, maybe cast a tear down a wishing well, Well, although maybe not the, not the well thing. Maybe we've all, we've already done that here. Yeah. 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 (laughs) So Morgan's like, she goes and she's like, dad leaves this card for me. It's a credit card that she pulls out. And she's like, it's for emergencies only. This is definitely an emergency. She does call it better than a fairy godmother. And I just don't agree. Eh, yeah. We've both filled the fairy godmother role at various points in our careers now. And I just don't think that's true. I think we're far better and more useful than a credit card. You're right. But they are off on a shopping spree. I love a good montage. And it's it's so much fun. Also, how much shit are they buying? So much. So much. And they have cute back and forths and you can see that they're their loving relationship and it's oh, I just it's very heartwarming and lovely. And they start talking about Nancy and how she's going to be your stepmom and Giselle is trying to reassure Morgan like, "Hey, no, I know stepmoms. They're not all bad." And I, Prince Edward has a stepmom, and I hear that she's lovely. Jump cut to Nerissa's ugly, ugly face. Oh my god, she's she has exploded through this mantle. <laughs> 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 Can you imagine Susan Sarandon? 
Oh my god. Ah! Uh, and like the manhole cover like flies into like one of the display screens and just shatters the whole fucking thing. Because again, they're in Times Square coming through the Also, why the is she tonguing the air? <laughs> Oh, God, it upsets me so. Oh, man. She's like... <laughs> like... <laughs> I hate it. I really like it. I think it's great. I it. I'm so happy for you. So she goes to try and find a fuck face, Nathaniel. And... <laughs> oh, God, this, this ruined it. This soiled oh, it. Yeah, this was not a fun moment. So she finds Nathaniel because he's uh, driving a taxi. He's disguised himself as a taxi driver, meaning he's like dressed up like a Middle Eastern man. He's got a turban on and a long beard, and I just, it's so uncomfortable. It is, uh, it was an icky choice, and maybe one that could have been played to comedic effect in like, two, what was this, 07? Oh, seven. Yeah. Um, I feel like our relationship to the Middle East has changed pretty significantly since 07. And I just hate this. This was really low-hanging fruit as far as like punchlines go. He could have been dressed up as just like some guy, right? Like put him in like a like a letterman jacket and a ball cap. Right. Give like him make, some... him, make him like a Yankees fan or some sure. shit. Sure. Or like or, giving know... him some Groucho Mark glasses or something with like the mustache and the big nose. It could have been a lot of other things, but it was this instead. And it was it's at the very least culturally insensitive and at the worst, like just outright racist. I just hated it. Yeah. I, I, I don't love it. I wish it hadn't happened. And... Like, it's, he doesn't, like, affect his voice to make any kind of And they didn't do any kind of, like, blackface or anything, which I think they easily could have and made this, like, a really bad joke. So while it's not necessarily offensive in any outright way, it It does feel... It just feels like it is, though. I just... Yeah, it it does feel, again, like, at at the very least, culturally insensitive. It gave me the ick. I agree. It's not outright malicious by any means but it does i would qualify it as like a racial microaggression yeah i just it gives me the ick and i did not enjoy yeah that. the implication about yeah well let's not let's not sit on it but yeah. yeah it's not great yeah so she's like all right come on we have to we have to find these fuckers right poof we're at the ball isn't that fun uh, so fun i just say poof and we're magically in the <laughs> location so we're at the ball right and I would just like to say, Nancy looks great. I love the period costumes on this group of folks in the ball. I think it's a super cool theme for uh, for a ball. Um, I always, you know, we're gay. We love a theme. We love a theme. And Giselle and Edward show up looking stunning. They do look stunning. She is in this gorgeous, like, purple mermaid gown with, like, a low neck and, like, uh, like a built-in necklace that connects to the cleavage of the dress. And it's, I mean, it's just beautiful. It's beautiful. It's funny to me and it makes sense, right? But it's funny to me that everyone else is now in extravagant historical ball gowns. And now she's the one in the more modern looking dress, right? Right. It's just so, that juxtaposition. Let's talk about subversion because she starts as a fairy tale character in New York City. Right. Right. And now the fairy tale has kind of come around and she's surrounded by other people living a fairy tale, like this kind of make-believe world of the ball, and she's the the grounded character. Mm-hmm. 
it's it's the perfect princess gown. I mean, if you were to find a princess born and raised in New York City and like put her in her perfect perfect like princess coronation ball gown for 2007, it is this exactly this gown. Oh, did you hear that whole table creak? Yeah, it's casual. It sounded like when I cracked my back. Delicious. Um, yes, it is the perfect dress, and I will absolutely die on that hill. No, there couldn't be a more perfect dress in this moment than this one. Nailing it. So Nancy's like, uh, what is she doing here? Like this, that's kind of weird. I don't know. I didn't even know she was going to be here. So they end up chit-chatting, the four of them. And Nancy is kind of taken with Edward and is like, oh, you're so romantic and hot. Yeah, she's taken with like how romantic he is without any sense of irony. Yeah. That he is this kind of whirlwind of romantic air, but in like the most genuine way you can imagine. Exactly. So the next dance that's supposed to happen is, uh, you, all right, everybody, uh, dance with someone you didn't come with. (laughs) That's fucking weird. Yeah. Uh, how could we forget the customary wife swap dance at all formal balls? It just is weird. And it's the most like lovey music. It really is. Singing about romance. It's a very romantic slow song. (laughs) It's just kind of, I don't know. It's weird. Um, so Edward and Nancy dance together and obviously Robert and Giselle dance together and it's a beauty. It's sort of the perfect storm. It's beauty and grace. We have this diegetic song happening in the room with them, right? It's, there's a live band at the, at the show. So it's not like, uh, an emotional moment heightened to music. It's not a song that plays over the scene in like a soundtracky kind of way. It's diegetic, but it's. It's in a realistic kind of way, mm-hmm. not in a heightened musical theatery kind of way. And there are these lens flares as as they spin around the room, which is a very like realism sort of tactic when it comes to camera angle and camera work, uh, to filmography, cinematography, if you will. Um, all against this background, this backdrop of period costumes, and it's choreographed for the two of them just enough that it's heightened past reality, but not so much that it looks like a production number or like some kind of choreographed dance number. Like it's not a group number. It's like this really sweet pas de deux between the two of them. And at one point, like the the room kind of clears the floor for them. So there are all of these elements of, of magic, but it's also like very realistic and, and grounded in the room with them. And it's just like the perfect romantic storm it's it's romantic perfection stunning edward and nancy are noticing that these two are a little bit too cozy and you can tell are definitely getting uncomfortable with this oh my god mcdreamy is singing to giselle oh it's so romantic because remember all he has to do is sing to the one that he truly loves and it'll all be okay oh my god i mean it's all of these little itty bitty the formula is still there intact Damn. Nancy cuts in and is like, all right, this shit needs to be done. But she does it very tactfully, very tastefully. And is like, oh, might I cut in? And of course, Giselle bows out gracefully and says, of course. And Giselle and Edward start leaving because they're going to get her wrap. She seems kind of done here and wants to go home. 
We see Nancy and Robert kiss at the end of this dance number, and it is so bland. Oh, and yeah. It's, you can tell that, like, they kissed, and Nancy was like, something changed. Yeah, Nancy knows way ahead of the rest of us. Like, you can see when she pulls away from this kiss that she is already starting to process the events going on around her while everybody else is maybe so caught in a cloud of of romance and, and magical whirly gigs. Exactly. She's already processing. She's she's on the move. Yeah. So Gis- Giselle is there and oh my God, the hag is here. In real life. So gummy. She's got three teeth. I fucking hate it here. <laughs> but I mean, the makeup job on this—it is a really sick makeup Jiminy job. Jiminy Christmas. Because again, it's not an—it's not a body double. That's Susan Sarandon. It just is so good. It's a really good makeup job. Oh God, brava, brava! I say, and she's trying to talk her into taking a bite of this apple, and all of her dreams will come true. Right. Right. That's and the she says, she's giving it. Uh, "If you take a bite of this apple, you can go back with Edward, and everything here will have been just a dream." You'll forget all of the painful things that you're feeling right now, and you'll be happily ever after. All you have to do is eat this apple. Oof. And like, Oof. how tempting, right? I mean, my God. So she takes the bite, right? Death. Death. So she faints, and the hag picks her up, thro- like, it busts open the <laughs> elevator Throws her doors over the shoulder. With magic. Yeah. And she has transformed back into Queen Nerissa. Edward stops her at the elevator and is like, oh, what are you doing here? This is weird. And notices that Giselle is passed out on the fucking floor. Completely and she's like, oh, I would still mind her. I was just taking her out for some fresh air. She yeah, she's really totally fake. fine. She's in this gorgeous, gorgeous gown too. Nerissa's animated gown like brought to real life is everything. Stunning. It's so good. Stunning. So Edward stops her and is like, you know. No. You, you scoundrel. And like picks her up and carries her. And these two men come carrying a fainting couch and set it down for her to lay down on. I mean, of course. Because why not? Well, who throws a ball without a fainting couch, you well, know? Well, exactly. So <laughs> Nancy and Robert. That's his name. I was going to say Roger. What's happening to my brain? Roger. We need to wrap this quickly because, ooh, baby. So Nancy and Roger rush over. And she's like, oh my God, what happened? And Nancy is on the phone, 911. She fainted. We don't know what happened. We didn't see it happen. Um, And the queen is like, oh no, she's fine. She, whatever. And she's just not feeling well. We need to just take her home. In comes Nathaniel. Nathaniel with the tea. And he's like, (laughs) she's a lying bitch. (laughs) She made her bite a poison apple. I fucked up because I was trying to uphold what she wanted. My bad. She needs to kiss, you know, and they're like, I don't know how to fix this. And Queen is like, well, by the stroke of midnight. It'll be irreversible. She'll be dead. So there. Ha ha. Right? Well, everyone is like, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? (gasps) True love's kiss. True love's kiss, says Nancy, because she's fucking smart. Yeah, Nancy's, again, the only one thinking in this situation. She's well ahead of the rest of us. And Edward's like, Giselle! Not really, but he like goes and <laughs> He's like, true her. love's kiss. Well, that's my department. Sign me up. Right. So he dives in. Goes, kisses her, nothing happens, and gives her a few more pecks and is like, oh my God, it's not working. It's so gross. Don't kiss unconscious women. 
just as a rule. Unconscious people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good rule. Let's make it a broad rule. A broad rule. <laughs> Don't kiss unconscious people. Don't do that. So nothing happens. And then Nancy's like, Robert, kiss her. Yeah. Again. And he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Because like everybody looks at Robert and they're like, well, if it's not Edward, then it has to be. It had to be you. It has to be you. And he's like, he's like, no, I can't. I'm here with little, little. And he's just fucking kiss her, Robert. She's so far ahead of the rest of us. She's like, it's fine. Kiss her. Oh my God. And my heart palpitations in this moment. Oh my God. I know. Because it's already struck midnight. Right. We are counting down like chimes on the clock. And he's just like, I mean, I don't know. We don't have time for you to waffle, bitch. Just fucking kiss her. Stop talking about it. So he does. So he does. And then... She springs back to life. Oh my God, she lives. And she's like, I knew it was you. The way they use color too, back and forth on like when she's unconscious and when she she springs back to life. It's really, it's such a, such a thoughtful use of color. Good job, makeup team. I really like it. You did the thing. The queen is pissed. And she's like... Marissa flies into a rage. Well, I need, I need to just be able to go back and live my life and fuck all of you. So I'm going to go ahead and destroy all of you here. And I'm going to go back and tell everybody, oh no, a terrible tragedy happened. (laughs) And she turns into a fucking dragon. Holy dated CGI, Batman. The proportions of this dragon are wrong. (laughs) And the proportion that I am most upset with is her mouth. I didn't notice, but you really... It is so tiny. (laughs) And she doesn't have like, like, you know, dragons have like larger razor sharp fucking teeth. Mm -hmm. And it's like, she's got little chiclets in her mouth. (laughs) I am so irritated by this because I'm like, this could have been really cool. This could have been really cool. And I understand 2007. I don't care. Do better. Yeah, yeah, do better. Um, I have a, a, a complaint about like the texture of the dragon, but it goes away pretty much immediately when we get outside of the the room that we're in because Nerissa crashes through like the wall and the ceiling. And and she snags Robert. She and grabs is like, him. Well, you're coming with me, sonny boy. It's time to flip our little fairy tale on its head. Yep. And now we're doing the quiet part loud, right? Now we, it all comes crashing down and we're, we're really subverting the fairy tale. Right. So Robert is now the damsel in distress, which the queen specifically says that he is. Right. Uh, we're just doing it out loud now. Giselle has kicked off her shoes, but like we only see one left and it looks like it's that clear plastic, yeah, it's whatever. it's like a clear vinyl shoe. So it's reminiscent of Cinderella's glass slipper, right? Being right. left. She snags the sword of Edwards and goes... To rescue her damsel. More princesses with swords, I think. I think that would be a good idea. I think so. So she goes and she's uh, fighting for their life. Edward is down and Pip appears and is like talking to him. He finally fucking understands what Pip is saying. (laughs) The one time he does and thank God. Pip goes and they end up doing that same thing that they did with the troll, right? Yeah, with the troll on the branch and like Pip is just heavy enough to offset the weight and like bring everything crashing down. Right. So Nerissa the dragon is on top of this building. There's like a skinny little metal spire coming off the top of it, right? She's kind of anchored herself against the building using this as like a as leverage. So she's, she's holding like on to it. And rocking back and forth, which and it's it, already starting to crack. Right. We see it slowly start to bend at the base. Pip sees this as well and is like, 
my fucking moment has arrived. So he steps off the roof of the building and onto Nerissa's like knee or something. And it makes the top of the spire bend all the way over. She tips off the building, comes crashing down and explodes against the streets of New York in a burst of glitter. Yeesh. So the dragon's gone, right? But during this time, Robert gets tossed Giselle throws the sword and pins his sleeve up against something. The the spire they were on? I'm not really sure. Yeah, he's pinned against something. And then he falls and she catches him. And then they have a really cute exchange of the lines when they met earlier of like, oh, do you make a habit of falling? Right. It's it's the lines they exchanged when she fell on top of him from the billboard at the top of the film. But now reversed. Right. This whole sequence from like the time that Nerissa changes into a dragon to like until they're both safe again. The whole thing is like a callback to the top of the film and how they met and like how she meets Edward. It's all very like, I, I, it's all very. It's flippy floppy. It does. It kind of starts the same way it ends really. Yes. Yes. And oh my God, they're in love. How exciting. Also, how the fuck did they get down from there? (laughs) Very carefully. Yeah. Back inside. Nancy has plopped herself down on the floor because she's like, well, the man that I dated for the last five years is now in love with another woman. Confirmed. I don't know what to do. And Edward goes to her and then picks up Giselle's shoe and puts it on her foot. Yeah, I understand the like. And it fits. It's like, it's it's the Cinderella reference again, and I understand that. But it's gross. It's gross. gross. Don't also, put other people's shoes on your feet. When did her shoes come off? Why did he slip this one off? Like, Why did, was she cool with it? When did Nancy's shoes come off? Yeah, you mean? I'm yeah, like... I, who knows, really? I don't know. What's and it, the truth? So this launches us into the ending, right? So Nancy ends up with Edward, and they go back, and they get married in animation. Does Nancy, like, not have a family? I guess she doesn't give two shits because she even has, like, a phone or something that goes off. Yeah, and she makes a note to say, wow, I get really good reception here. And then she throws the phone on the ground and it shatters. I mean, she's a fashion designer and I thought that she owned her own, like, design company. Yeah. Or something. Which, flashback to the real world, does Giselle own it now? I think she must have. Because Giselle now owns... Andalasia fashions where they sew like princess dresses for young girls. Right. And the, right. the scene where we, where we see that like company playing out is the same room that we met Nancy in while she was at work earlier. Right. Which... So clearly like Giselle has taken over for Nancy, but like, uh, like doesn't she have a mom she wants to call to let her know she got married? Like she just fucks off to another fucking universe and never talks to anybody here again? Like what are you, what's going on? I don't know. And it's that, and again, it's that flip floppy of like the person who would never get that kind of treatment, right? The, the met someone married the next day, ab- abandons everything because she's in love. Right. But it's acceptable because it's a fairy tale. Yeah. They, she uh, gets that. And then Giselle, the one who was supposed to have that happen, does the whole, I met a man, we're in love, but we're dating thing. Right? Yeah. They they swap roles and they swap essentially fairy tales, which I think is very sweet. Yeah. Nathaniel and Pip both write a book. So Pip is back in the cartoon world. Nathaniel stayed in the real world. And they both wrote a book based off of their experiences of these adventures. <laughs> Everybody gets book deals. Everybody gets book deal. Because Nathaniel's book is about, like, 
What's he titled? My Royal Pain? My Royal Pain. <laughs> um, the dispatching of the evil queen in the mirror. Yeah. So it's it's about like gaining his self-confidence back. It's right? a self-help memoir is what it is. Right. And we see that Giselle and Robert and Morgan are living all together, all happy jazzy. Uh, they have a cute little moment where they're like playing airplanes or something in the apartment. I just love the end of this movie. It's so sweet. Oh, the end. I can't believe this was your first time watching this movie. It really was. That's crazy to me. Ugh. Well, what did you think? Should we give it a rating? Oh, uh, we should give it a rating. What did you think? Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. So, even though it might just be a microaggression, I genuinely think that we do need to knock at the half point. No, of course we do. We always hold we always hold those things accountable because even if we we don't think that they're really important, we're white folks. Right. Right. I don't know anything so about even how if we deeply get a slight ick. Yeah, I don't know anything about how deeply that kind of xenophobia has affected people across the world and maybe if we had, you know, Islamic folk in our in our circle and we're closer to them, we would have more firsthand experience with what those feelings are. But we are going to go ahead and... Um, we're going to knock at the half point. Yeah, we're going to knock at the half point um, for sure. But for me, that makes this a pretty solid 4.5. 4.5. I'm inclined to agree. I just think it's so well written and it's got all the Disney shine and polish of a, of a good movie. The CGI is maybe aged not quite as well as we would hoped, but... I mean, that proportions on that dragon make me almost want to make it a four. I, it's creeping it's, up on 20 years old, so I, I'm willing to forgive it. Yeah. I'm just trying to think of like what came out around that same time and if the CGI... I when just, was Shrek? Early 2000s. Yeah. But then again, but also, some of the textures in that, Shrek are not great anymore. I don't know if you've no, seen it lately. No, but I but I think that they did a good job, or good enough, especially for the time, with Pip. Oh, yeah. Which is why I... Am, well, the budget has to go somewhere, right? I mean, there's a corner eventually you're going to have to cut. And maybe it was the dragon's mouth. Oh, my God. The proportions on the dragon. Is Shrek oh. a musical? No. Prove it. What songs do they sing in it? They sing Welcome to Duloc. They sing that one with Robin Hood. That's two, baby. That makes it a musical. We can put Shrek on the list. <laughs> I'm tired. Um, well, let's give it the biddy test. The BD, the Benny Drake. Pass, fail. Pass? Pass. Why, why the hesitation? Well, no, I just, it's, I, no, it's pass. It is. It's a pass. I'm tired. That's why. <laughs> um, my brain is just not computing at a, at a decent speed. I do um, kind of wish that there was more ensemble work in the movie because it feels like that's how you know is really like the only group number. I also wish we got like a third act number. Yeah, but that's typical Disney for you. Yeah, I know. But like we, you know, had some. I would have loved a finale. A closing number would have been great. A closing number with some kind of, again, like New York chorus or maybe some kind of like woodland creature chorus with... A reprise of that's how you know that yeah, is something, something about it something to put would a have been great. On it. I, I don't know. But still, I think it's I mean, a pass. It's, still, it's a pass. It's a pass. Uh, 4.5 and a pass. Do you want a fortune cookie? <sighs> yeah. I'm very hungry. Give me a cookie. Okay. So today's fortune cookie. cookie. Oh my God. <laughs> today's fortune cookie comes from Hans Christian Andersen, one of the fairy tale greats. The quote is, life itself is the most wonderful fairy tale. Oh. Isn't that nice? Oh. And how incredibly true. It's the whole point. It's the oh. whole point, right? Oh. 
And if it hasn't worked out yet, that means it's not the end. Right. Everything will be all right in the end. That's one of my favorite getting through the hard days phrases. Mm-hmm. Everything will be all right in the end. If it's not all right, it's not the end. Mm-hmm. You know? Love it. Yeah. So where can they find us? Oh, my God. You guys can find us on the Instagram and on the TikTok at Backstage Biddies. Email us your listener request at BackstageBiddies at gmail.com. Podvine. If you haven't joined it and followed us, how dare you? But also, maybe you've just been busy, and that's fine, but too. But maybe you've been busy. I you know, don't know. It's a, I mean, I guess. It can um, be a, a busy time of year, depending if, on your industry. But what if you took a brief pause? Yeah. Take well, wait. a... Did you do it? I hope so. Um, I... <laughs> Go on Podvine, follow us. You can rate us on there and you can actually leave a comment on there, which you can't do on like Spotify. And we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear from you. Um, and if we get 10 followers on there, which we can easily do, folks, can't we, biddies? Oh, I think we can. Then we can submit to be a featured podcast and get more biddies, which I think would be so much fun and great. We would just love that. Oh. That's what I got for you. Where can they find you? You guys can find me on Instagram and TikTok at Binny Biddy. Where can they find you? Somewhere on the internet. Somewhere on the internet with my name. Blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Find me fucking around on the internet somewhere. Well, I think that's what we... Okay. I think that's what we got. Bye. Bye.